quick disclaimer. On this episode, we had special guests, May and Emma, from the film In Between Girl, and we recorded it outside our normal studio situation, so it may sound not as clean as our episodes typically do. However, this was such a blast to record. We had so much fun talking to May and Emma, and uh, we really hope that you enjoy this conversation. Hey, it's Alicia. And it's Edgar. And welcome to the Minority Report. This week, we talk about Beto V. Cruz, Rosenstein, and we have the director and star of In Between Girl here. Yay! Stay tuned. Yes, we do. Here today. <laughs> um, so some of you might recognize our friend May Makino. She's filled in for me before. Yes. Uh, awesome. The Oscar episode. It was so good. Yes. You guys need to go back and listen <laughs> to that one. You guys should go listen it. to it. She was a great singer, <laughs> but now there. we get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure how useful it'll be here, yes, but yes. but now we get to record together. Yay! Yes. Yes. Oh, we're, hugging. we're hugging. Okay. We're hugging. <laughs> we we um, need to describe what's going on for the podcast. May is writing and directing a feature film. It's very exciting. She's already written it, but she's also directing it. So we have her in the studio, and we also have another very special guest, the lead actress. <laughs> Emma for May's feature film debut, In Between Girl. Hello. Beautiful. Awesome. There it is. Yes. And we're going to talk all about the movie later in the episode. We're going to do very excited and downs and yep. all of the promos. Yeah, start start with the, the sad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the heavy sad. stuff. Heavy. And then, but they're going to join us for our episode. We're going to do our normal roundup and yes. we're going to talk some In Between Girl. Yes. And we'll just have a additional voices to share their opinions very exciting stuff i do want to know we're not recording in our normal setup so it's going to sound a little bit different uh but that's okay we are very excited echoes abound yes uh (laughs) all right let's get into it we have a lot of news to cover uh, this episode. I feel like we say that every week. Well, I know, and it's so funny because whenever uh, uh, we started planning uh, uh, having uh, uh, Emma and May come on, I was like, okay, maybe we'll, we'll, it'll be a lighter episode. It'll be good, and we can talk about all this. And then literally everything, everything just, happened. Everything I feel happened. Like five things happened this morning. Like we're not even gonna oh, talk about it. We're not talking about Instagram. I know. We're not talking about I know. I know. It's crazy. It's, it really is. Um, but one thing that has been going on for a while and has sort of been. Uh, uh, bubbling to the national uh, uh, conversation lately is the Texas Senate race between uh, current Senator Ted Cruz and Congressman Beto O'Rourke. Um, this is something that impacts us personally. We recorded this podcast in Texas and uh, we've talked about it before, but never really in depth. So we figured let's take a moment uh, during this very busy <laughs> and jam-packed episode to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about it because it is a local story that affects us, but also it's becoming this huge national uh, story. Beto was on Ellen, y'all. Yeah, Beto was on Ellen. He was on Colbert. <laughs> That's when you know. That's when you know you've made well, it. Yeah. So, so, so why is this a national story? And the reason is because Beto's actually within uh, uh, um, like one or two points, depending on what polls. And in some polls, he's actually surpassing uh, Ted Cruz. There's uh, like a very small margin. Yes, like yes. the margin of error is very small. Basically, right. it's to the point where like it could go either way. And that is why people. And so that's why it's a national story because everyone's like, what deep red Texas may get a Democratic uh, senator the first time in like 32 years, something insane like that, which is crazy. Um, so yeah, let's talk about this um, just before we get in, into some of the, like the debate that just happened. Um, and, and some of Cruz's most recent actions, very hilarious actions. How do we feel about just the race in general? Um, are, are we fans of Beto? Are we fans of Ted Cruz? What's going on here? Let's let's read the room. Um, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Ted Cruz. Are you kidding? Shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah. So actually, you know what? I'm I'm very interested to hear from Emma because this is a uh, yeah, uh, Emma's not of voting age yet. Emma's not of voting age. Yes. Um, Are you into politics? Are you yeah. into Texas politics specifically? 
I would say yes, um, except school just started for me. So, uh, like, I would say yes, but it's <laughs> kind of taking the... It, is it something the kids are talking about? Oh, absolutely. I have yeah. friends who are, like, actively... Like, one of my friends, I'm pretty sure the Dogs for Beto Instagram account follows his spam account on Instagram. So he's very... <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well-connected. Okay. No, okay. yeah, absolutely. So, like, I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends who are uh, really interested in it, and um, we all kind of form this general high school community of interested minors who cannot vote but i'm assuming most austin schools like the kids probably lean pretty left right yes yes most austin public schools i would say yeah yeah Um, yeah. do y'all have i know back when i was in high school we had like a young republicans and like a young democrats do you guys have anything like that at your school I don't like as in like clubs. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, we have some. We have some like youth. Uh, we just have some youth groups who like generally tend to all be a certain party or another. Mm, but like they don't actually, you know, they don't actually like um, they're not under that name if that makes sense. So yeah, like, yeah. Um, but for sure, we we do have a lot of clubs who regularly talk about just politics and current events because mm-hmm. we're all just kind of into it. Yeah, I mean, your generation just, like, inspires me so much. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, seriously, just, I don't know, y'all's ability to, like, speak out and, like, not be quiet about issues is just, like... I know. During during the Parkland shooting, the way that those kids just came together and became these advocates on on the national stage Mm -hmm. overnight. Yeah, and they were just so, like, well, like, articulate and Mm -hmm. just smart and, like... Yeah, like I don't know. The future is bright. Like when I look at you guys, like really, yes, it is. I feel like sometimes, especially for millennials, it's like the internet is a garbage fire. But then, like you see what it's been doing, and just sort of like the information that's been disseminated, and the way that, especially kids in high school right now are just like taking it in and like Mm -hmm. really becoming a progressive force. It's so impressive. Yeah, it's so so impressive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I do wonder, like, how much social media has played a role in that, like, access to social media platforms, just because, oh, yeah. like, I know a lot of, like, people tend to bash social media sometimes um, mm-hmm. when they're talking about, like, how teens relate to it, but also at the same time, I feel like a lot of, like, the connectedness that teenagers have been able to achieve with regards to social justice movements have a lot to do with, like, the access to social media platforms that they've yeah. been granted. See, I would not have been able to construct that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, listening to your talk, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no. But that's like such like an astute thought because I think, I think social media does ha- play a huge role in kind of the way teens are consuming things and how they think about things because, like there are just so many different points of views out right, there. Right. And like before the internet, before social media, like where you lived was where you lived. And that was like the information you got. So right, I right. think, yeah, I think it's played a huge role mm-hmm. and I'm absolutely. very happy for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we used to see things where you would have someone like Mr. Rogers be the advocate for children. Mm-hmm. And now we get to see children be their own advocates yeah, and they're being taken seriously. Well, by most people, of course. There are some people who still do not. Um, there's, there's a 50-50 split. Yes, yes. <laughs> some would say. Um, but honestly, but, honestly, sometimes that's the most fun to watch because if you, if, I feel like if this these groups of teenagers encounter some adult political figure who doesn't take them seriously, they will go to town on that person yeah. <laughs> until, you know, right. like, that entire base right. takes them seriously. And then yeah. that As Marco Rubio to. learned yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on national television. Yeah. 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 Wild. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, okay, so back back to Cruz and and, and Beto. How are do we? How are we feeling about this? Because Beto's within striking distance here. Do we think he has a shot? Are we hopeful here? Are we cautiously optimistic? Are we pessimistic? What are we feeling here? I want to believe so bad. Like, I am such a pessimist. Every, anyone who A, knows me, or B, listens to the podcast, know that I'm a cynic. I'm a pessimist. I just want it to be true so bad, you guys. Yeah. I just want him to win. I don't know if he's going to. Yeah. Because I, it's Texas. But I just want it so bad. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, 
It's just after the 2016 election. I, I like don't trust polls before. It's hard to like, trust that poll. I, I agree with you. Like I feel cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Cautiously, cautiously optimistic. <laughs> I really do yeah. because it just. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally I, understandable. I mean, People said the same thing during the 2016 election. Everyone was like, Texas is turning purple. And I was like, oh, yeah. See yeah, how, no, my see gosh. how well that worked There out. were people taking bets at my work being like, I bet Texas is going to go to the Dems, like, this year. And, like, no, of course not. Like, right. you know, right. so I just, like, right. you know, if that optimism goes too far. Right, right. We're gonna, yeah, there's going to be a lot of tears. So, <laughs> so in my um, in my real life job, which I will not speak of, but in my real life job, I work in a city just outside Austin. And in this city, it is a very um, historically conservative city. Um, however, I have to say, I've seen so many Beto stickers and Beto mm-hmm. signs in this city. And it's really because Beto has become a campaigning phenom. He is going to every town. He's going to every he gathering. He's going to every county He's going Texas. to every county. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is things that have not, we have not seen things like this since like presidential runs from the 60s when the Kennedys were doing crazy things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives me this hope because if in this city, in this county, which is so historically conservative, even though it's so close to Austin, um, you see Beto stickers, you see Beto supporters, that could mean real change. Um, of course, there's also a huge Ted Cruz sign, so uh, you know you, you can't win them all, but um, that gives me hope. And I remember I was telling um, one of our friends who is a huge Beto guy, he's just He's like in love with Beto. <laughs> I was telling do him. I know this person. Yes, you do. You definitely do. Am I allowed to say his name? You, you can you if you want. Connor. Yeah, shout out Connor. Shout Hi, out Connor. Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I remember telling him uh, about this, and it was. I remember thinking as I was telling him, I was like, I can't believe I'm actually saying this because it's so unbelievable that in this county there are Beto signs. And that has to count for something. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I want to believe you guys. I want to believe. I want to believe. Um, Emma, are you as uh, pessimistic as we are? Are you? <laughs> I don't know. My philosophy has always kind of been like be cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. um, and use that to drive your ambitious goals, if that yeah. makes sense. You know? <laughs> so many yeah. truth bombs being dropped. <laughs> yeah. I know. No, seriously. I know. Like, um, use our cautious although optimism. Although you're not to push be optimistically optimistic. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Don't become jaded. <laughs> like, yeah. Do not, do not, don't, don't let it happen to you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, what? Okay. Two quick things that I do want to talk about before we uh, move on from here has been this sort of um, the story that. Okay, number one, the debate. Actually, before we we oh, get into yeah. Cruz, the debate. Uh, did did we watch the debate? What, what yep. was going on here? How do we feel about this? Because a lot of people were very split. I mean, I feel like it was a debate that really showed the tone of the nation currently <laughs> because both of them were so disparate and both sides yeah. were like, Cruz totally won that debate or Beta totally won that debate. Yeah. Yeah. And it, was and it just, wasn't very clear for a lot of people, which is interesting. Yeah, and I feel like at least debates in the past, even on, you know, like a congressional level for a Senate level, like I feel if you even looked five years ago, ten years ago, there were always these topics that both Republicans and Democrats would just be like totally moderate on and right. they would have base like basically, you know, the same viewpoint. <laughs> just like worded differently mm-hmm. to like skew towards their base. Um, but while I was watching this debate and listening to them, I was like, they're just the polar opposite yeah. about everything. Right, right. <laughs> like there, there was no middle ground. Yeah. No. no, not none at all. And it, and it became super awkward because it forced, at least it forced Cruz to take positions that no politician would ever take. Things like, um, you know, uh, Beto is not supporting cops because he's speaking oh. passionately about uh, how wrong this murder was. Uh, this Dallas murder of uh, Botham uh, um, Gene. That was... <laughs> and it was, it was bad. It's insane. It, 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 and it's like, 
can we not agree that it's wrong to kill somebody in their own home? Like, we've gotten to the point where we can't even agree on that. Because what it means just, is... It is pretty insane. How does that mean we don't support cops? And so that brings me to my second thing, which is um, Cruz tweeted out a video clip of Beto speaking passionately about this. Um, and he used this as a way to sort of insinuate that uh, Beto does not support police and he does not support cops. And how do... And it totally backfired on him, by the way. Everyone's like, what do you... Like, this is awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks for sharing this, number one. <laughs> but it, what were you trying to say here? Um, it is also really interesting because immediately after that, like, Beto's been posting pictures of him going around. And he's been posting a lot of pictures with police officers. Yeah. <laughs> strategy. Yeah. Oh, man, the strategy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's really interesting. And I forget where I heard it, but... Um, People were talking about the debate and basically just saying, like, the tactic here isn't so much to be, like, the polar opposite of Beto. It's basically, like, Cruz has more name recognition in Texas than Beto does. Mm -hmm. And it's basically to make people afraid of what Beto stands for Mm. so that whenever they think of him, like, attack ads, the positions he's taking in debates, like, these things that he's posting, it's all about making people think that... Beto is someone who's going to wreck their lives so that they don't actually look into right. what his policies yes. are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not so much about, like, I am the polar opposite of Beto. It's, like, you don't know who it is, and here's why you should fear him. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. Cold-blooded. <laughs> because Ted Cruz is a lizard person. Okay, okay, now. Okay, now. <laughs> I thought he was um, uh, the Zodiac killer. We need to decide. Yeah. <laughs> we need to decide he what he is. That's tr- I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Um, okay, so as we wrap this up, I do want to mention: um, please register the register to vote if you haven't already. Check if you're registered to vote, um, especially if you're here in te- everywhere in the country, mm-hmm. but here in Texas, especially as this race comes down uh, to single points, and that's. That's Crazy. scary. That's scary. I, I remember it was like a story a couple of weeks ago where that showed Beto uh, was well ahead. And I, part of me was a little scared that the story came out because I thought that would mean that people would feel less inclined to go out to vote. Mm. Um, so don't hesitate. Yeah. Go. Don't think it's a one. It's not Just, one. Yeah. Go. go. And there it. are other things you can do. Like I know someone at my office had suggested like doing an office-wide mandatory late start so that people could go to the polls in the morning. Like I think mm-hmm. doing also doing things like that to facilitate like yeah. voter registration yeah. and voting. Like yep. there there's so many simple things you can do just yep. to make sure that you're out there, you're registered, and yep. you're voting and, in the midterms. And early vote, because early voting is so much more convenient. You can vote it's wherever. So, much uh, so definitely register to vote. Okay, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> crazy story. All right, back to Kavanaugh. Yep. We talked about him last week. Part five of I our Kavanaugh like saga. Him <laughs> we talk about him every week. Yeah. Um, but some major developments. Mm-hmm. So, Christine Blasey Ford, the woman who accused Kavanaugh of sexually assaulting her back in high school, said that she didn't want to testify without an FBI investigation, which, fair, but now says that she's willing to come forward. So that is the first big piece of news. Um, she's and she's scheduled, test- she's scheduled for Thursday. She is scheduled for Thursday, but which is originally when the Kavanaugh vote was supposed to be. Um, so... That is the first big piece of news. She didn't want to do it before, but now she's coming forward, willing to testify. Um, But the next and probably biggest piece of news is that The New Yorker released another article on Sunday. I was driving back from Houston, and I was in the drive-thru, checked my phone. I was like, oh, shit. Um, you called it. You called it. I did, I did. You called it last episode. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just, like, anytime you know, an allegation comes forward, I'm kind of like, all right, we're the others. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're, we're I'm coming. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Um, but on Sunday, the New Yorker came forward with another woman, one of Brett Kavanaugh's classmates from Yale, Deborah Ramirez, who came forward with her own story about Kavanaugh sexually assaulting her um, during a party at Yale. And I won't go into the details. But then another thing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, attorney Michael Avenatti? Yes. Avenatti. 
I yes. know how to spell Who is famous for uh, representing Stormy Daniels. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is saying that there is a third credible allegation that he's waiting to come forward with. Um, Kavanaugh denies everything. He says he's never, ever sexually assaulted anyone. Um, there was even an interview he did, um, unprecedented interview he did with Fox, him and his wife, where he's like, yeah, I was a virgin until college. Yeah. Like he is that the one? I think I might have seen a part of it. He kind of like almost tears up or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, I don't know when you're talking that about. Was, very, that's so insane oof. to me. Very that is emotional. So, to me. Um, so yeah, it is slowly like it was already a shitstorm from the get go, even before the allegations, and now it's just even more of a shitstorm. Um, but how do we feel about these new? allegations coming out and these new like revelations being brought to light i mean obviously you know i can't take a side because i wasn't there but like whenever a victim of sexual assault comes forward what do they have to gain you know what i mean like that's my thing it's just Mm -hmm. like when you come forward and say like this really awful story from your past it's like you're you're having to like a relive that and relive relive that relive that in front of a nation, right? You know what I mean. Right. And mm-hmm. it just like I feel like coming forward with something like that like puts a target like on your back right. for the rest of your life. And like right. that's I mean I I I feel like he was probably involved like had to be involved in some something. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's just like three people coming forward. Right. Yeah. And there seems to be it's just a like pattern. they don't have anything to gain. Like right. that's like like it bothers me I so mean, much. I mean, has been getting death threats. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. And, and it's and it's so sad because she knew this and that's why she was so hesitant to come forward first. She was mm-hmm. anonymous and then she finally came forward and she tried to uh, set certain terms that would protect her during uh, her testimony. It, and that makes me really sad because it's like she knew she was bringing on a world of hurt by doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, these new revelations, I mean, Olivia, you called, I think I texted <laughs> you and I was like, you called it last episode, more came. Yeah. And um, I mean, like, I feel like when one person steps up, it's just kind of like, all right, I feel a little bit better. Yeah, know, there's like, like a, a safety weird, numbers. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and then. There's like this weird pattern that's developing because both stories are very eerily similar, which is he was misbehaving, more than misbehaving, while drunk at a party. And it's like, you know, uh, there was like this interview, his roommate in college, his Yale roommate said that he would get violent while he was drunk. And it's like, okay, there's the pattern. Yeah, and I mean, people are trying to discredit both of them by saying, like, there are gaps in their... And, like, both of them have admitted to this, Mm -hmm. where there are gaps in their memory. It was a long time ago. It was over two decades ago. So, like, I can't even remember what I did last week versus... Because that makes it okay. Especially if it's, like, a traumatic event. Exactly. Right. Probably blocked out, you know, as much of it as possible. And yeah, so, like bring that back. Yeah, but both women are confident that it was Kavanaugh, you know? Right, right. And I, I don't know, I just don't feel like you forget something like that and you don't forget the person, mm-hmm. right? Like, that. there's just no way. There's just, there's no way. And then I also feel like, you know, what really bothers me is the people who, I think it was like the article on Ramirez, like yeah. the article, mm-hmm. people like saying like, well, she never ever mentioned that to me. Like, and just like, well, I never heard anything about right. that. It's just like, you weren't uh, okay, there. Yeah, okay, like, yeah, okay, so, like, right. I, I just, I hate it when like people who weren't involved in, like that's something that like makes my blood like hot. <laughs> is like when, like any sexual assault thing comes out, I hate it when a third party comes forward and is like, this didn't happen. Like, how the fuck would you know? You know? Yeah, like, yeah. It, it, that makes me so mad. Um, anyways. Yep. So, with that being said, Republicans are still trying to rush this and <laughs> confirm Kavanaugh. They're still well, trying to push it. Well, yeah. That was, one of the mo- yeah. that was one of the more damning sort of things in that New, York, uh, New Yorker article. It was um, Republicans knew about the second allegation weeks before it became public, and Republicans still tried to rush Kavanaugh's confirmation, mm-hmm. uh, which just really shows you how rotten this Republican Party, at least the ones in office, are. 
and that is Mitch McConnell is in a shining example <laughs> of a public servant. Yes. Is that what you're it's... trying to tell me? I am. I'm sorry to <laughs> I'm sorry to blow your mind with this revelation. Uh, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. It re- it really really is. Um, and, and it's also seeing how uh, and listen by the way Olivia and I love The Daily we talk about this podcast we all the do. time go listen to The Daily it's a daily podcast by New York Times but anyways they talk about um, how this most recent one they talk about how Republicans are, have, are, have been splintering on how to sort of um, defend Kavanaugh and there are some Republicans who are saying um, you know the, like Olivia said this was a long time ago where does statute of limitations here uh, there are some people saying that um, you shouldn't be defined by one horrible thing that you did a long time ago. Um, and then there are other arguments just saying he didn't do it. They're lying. Um, and, and it's so interesting how split the Republican Party is on this. And it just sort of spells disaster for this confirmation moving forward, um, which is a good thing. But also it, it makes me very concerned to see that the party in power um it is so fractured you know and is such a rotten and horrible way um in that they would pick their party over a, a fellow human you know what i mean like it who ca- who cares if kavanaugh like who cares if he's a republican just because he's a republican and he represents everything you've ever wanted in the court you will push him through even though there are these looming three allegations now you're not even willing to look at them and that is what is so scary i don't mean to scare everybody but that's that's the reality we live in uh we're living in and it's really up to uh democrats to stop this from going forward and make sure uh that we keep this pause until the midterms i don't know i feel like now that there is the sort of looming inevitability of a third allegation um like it it sucks to think this way but it's not like the republican party is a united front like there are people who are hinge votes you know like they are Mm -hmm. the deciding factor um so like it would really at least personally would surprise me if someone like suzanne collins would be comfortable voting for kavanaugh at this point it would surprise me if you know, I think there are a few... They would surprise me if Flake right. would be comfortable voting for Kavanaugh right. at this point. Like, these Republicans who are truly, like, function more as independents than they do as actual Republicans, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're the votes that matter. Like, Suzanne Collins has been all over the news because she is, like, the one of the GOP votes that actually matters. Mm-hmm. Because they're just... Republicans are always so close to losing mm-hmm. yeah. because of Suzanne Collins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it just it shows you how messed up that party is when they're in power. They still can't get anything done, and they still blame the other party and other people for <laughs> their inaction. But anyways, um, yeah. Uh, so actually, Emma, mm-hmm. how, how, I'm just curious. Is this this Kavanaugh confirmation hearing? Is this something that? Um, you know, kids at your school are talking about, is this something you guys are even thinking about or aware of? This is very similar to something that happened when we were kids, Anita Hill, mm-hmm. um, and, and that went very, very wrong. Uh, but here it's like we almost have another chance and it's happening during the Me Too era. And I'm just curious what... Uh, yeah, to be honest, not as much as school, but again, right. social media. Right. It's all over, you know, right. like right. social media in my, in my age group. Um, and it's just, it's really interesting to watch, like, how different people are reacting to these and how, like, people are coming out with their, why I didn't report stories, which mm-hmm. is yeah. so valid. And I think right. that, mm-hmm. that is awesome that people are mm-hmm. feeling empowered enough to come out and talk about that. Um, it's just, this, this whole situation is just so it's so remarkable how corrupt, you know, <laughs> this one, like how this one event can like fully describe how corrupt this institution is. Um, it's, it's wild. And yeah. I think like that, just like f- realizing that has um, probably been one of the biggest uh, 
has like my my people in my age group have probably been uh, realizing that, and that's what they're reacting to. Um, and like I see people my age coming out with their own why I didn't report stories, um, and it's like that's it may be the one one of the few good things to come out of this is that people are actually feeling empowered enough to share their stories now um, in a way that they couldn't before. Yeah, that has been yeah. one of the great uh, things of the Me Too era is this larger conversation over a taboo thing that used to be sort of just hush-hush, you know, that mm-hmm. was like, let's not talk about it in this serious way yeah. um, and calling these people... Um, and- yeah, like I, I, I totally agree. Um, and part of me like wonders if like there are just certain things that like men have done in the past that like have made women uncomfortable and like do these men have any idea like about certain things? You know what I mean? I've no. thought about that. And, yeah, like they, right. like, I can already answer that no. And it's like I, maybe Brett Kavanaugh had no idea how gross right. and disgusting he was right. being in some of these situations right. but he's a white man so he was unchecked he was so, and he was so privileged and, yeah. exactly yeah. he's a white male it, so no yeah, one calls out on it back, right. in, back in the 80s you're looking at things through the lens of this is what's acceptable in this time era mm-hmm. and right now we're looking at what he's doing in the 80s through like the lens of right. like it's 2018 right. no matter what era it's fucked up and it's wrong right. like yeah. well and it's point, point blank but i i think to uh, to y'all's point, there's been sort of this privilege afforded to white men, white men you know, Who, up until and it's like, like a few, up until recently in history mm-hmm. where it's just like, we're going to get away with everything and yeah. it's going to be fine. And we don't have to think about how the consequences or how it affects other people because mm-hmm. we're, we're shielded. Time's up, bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Time's up. Time's up. Yeah, Um, yeah, so uh, I should note that Senator Feinstein, Dianne Feinstein, who um, originally uh, um, uh, had the Ford story um, and and sent it over to the FBI and and it caused all this, um, she has caused for a delay in the testimony on Thursday. We still don't know um, if that's actually going to be... uh, put in place yet, uh, but it's something definitely that we will, uh, you know, keep our keep our eye on because this. I mean, let's be real. We're going to be talking about this again next week. Well, so like... <laughs> well but exactly, and it's you know the Kavanaugh story has moved beyond just um, the the conversation around the Supreme Court, which is another huge conversation. It's now about Me Too. It's now about believing women. It's now about sexual assault in a way that we no one was expecting this to become and it's like it has to be looked at through that lens and it can't be ignored and you know as much as republicans want to ignore it it just can't so it's definitely something we will uh keep our eye on because it's sort of you know just today actually bill cosby was sentenced three to ten years and that is the first time um someone during the me too era has been sentenced uh, of course, we have the looming Weinstein trial, which will be a huge, huge deal uh, for the movement. But this was the first time, uh, and he was sentenced. And not only that, he was found to be a violent sexual predator, and he has to register as a violent sexual predator. So it's it's definitely top of mind. Um, but yes, we will definitely, definitely return to this story. But let's move on. Uh, the other huge story that happened on Monday... Uh, and this is big for um, for a lot of reasons. Oh my god! Uh, for a lot of reasons, but for uh, 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 this story is one that like just this is actually tired. This is uh, I know, and it, it, it it's so funny. It became a non-story by the afternoon, but it's like a story on hold. Like yeah, we're it's gonna like find we're out gonna like, no more. Yes. in a couple yes. of days. So of course, I am talking about Rod Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General. Um, of course, he has come to uh, uh, the national. Uh, uh, sort of spotlight during the Trump era because he is Bob Mueller's boss. He oversees Robert Mueller. Um, This is because, of course, Jeff Sessions recused himself. Uh, So he holds a very, very important position, and it's been rumored for a long time that Trump has has wanted to find a way to remove uh, Rosenstein from his position in a way to fire Mueller, and that has huge implications. It would cause a 
constitutional crisis. That is something we do not want to happen. Yeah, for context, Rosenstein is a very big barrier between right. Trump and Mueller right, right. now. Right, right. Like a, like a pretty big one. Right. We, we need him there to protect Mueller. Um, so early Monday, conflicting reports came out, but the very first report that came out was that Rosenstein had agreed to, had offered up to resign, and this comes off the heels, of course, of a story that broke this weekend that uh, Rosenstein had offered during a high-level meeting with all the law, the top law enforcement agency bosses in the nation. He had offered uh, to wear a wire and record Donald Trump. He also <laughs> talked about invoking the twenty-fifth. Yes, uh, 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 allegedly, no allegedly. one knows. No one knows exactly what happened during this meeting, but also invoked the twenty-fifth. And I can't believe he was like. We're going to go old school. I'm going to wear a wire. Yeah, I know. It's, it's such a... It's so... Like, what world do we live in where the deputy attorney general is like, all right, wire me up. we got to get the president out of here. It's, like, so insane. Anyway, so the story broke, and there's a whole lot of, like, hoopla around the story. Some people are like, what the, What are you doing, New York Times? Like, why would you publish this? Because now Trump has reason to fire him, and he would protect us. But, of course, New York Times is like, our job is to tell the truth. It does not matter if it's good or bad or who it benefits, which, you know, fair enough. That's not the job of the minority report. So we can say, what the fuck? What the fuck, New York <laughs> sorry, Times? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Excuse my French. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, where, where does this leave us? Uh, the, the first report he had offered to resign because of uh, uh, this story. And then it came out that actually he was preparing to be fired and he had his staff draft up a letter that would explain um, how his successor would be selected after he was fired. Now, why does it matter being fired or resigning? Because if he is fired, uh, it is a different process to fill his empty position. Now, if he resigns, Donald Trump can select who replaces him. And that is no good. We do not want Wait, that. So if he resigns, yes. Trump, is able Trump to, gets to pick. Exactly. But if he's fired, if he's he fired, If he's fired, it's a different selection process. It's whoever That's is so under him. That's so fascinating. Yes, yeah. it's... It, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So this is, uh, uh, this is like uh, House of Cards shit. Like this is like high drama, Washington, uh, a shady room deal type stuff. They're like, okay, we we need to make it this certain way. In addition to the shady room wire. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So of course, um, by midday, we'd actually learn that nothing had happened. Uh, that they are going to meet, Trump and Rosenstein are going to meet on Thursday. Uh, talk about so, his future. To talk about his future. Quotes. Which, by the way, I have to say, so for like about five, like, no, four or five hours, the whole country was freaking out. <laughs> they were like, oh no, Mueller's about to be fired. What's going on? This is not good. And they're like, psych, nope. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, Thursday, we find out. So now it's like, Okay, we know something bad's gonna happen, but now we know what day it's gonna happen. It's it's That's weird. Be a mess on Thursday. It's a weird like, sensation. Yeah. It's a super weird sensation. It's like that uh, question, or like if a for if would you ask a fortune teller to tell you how you die? Like, would you want to know? It's like uh, I don't know. I feel like it's like a breakup. Like I don't know, like a very planned, like texted, like we're gonna meet here. And like, like I need to talk to you about something. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like the the ominous, like we need to talk. We need to talk text, but it's a we need to talk text that's all over the news. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, So to to put it into context, um, if he is fired or he resigns, it's actually very bad for both Republicans and Democrats. Um, and, And the reason why it's bad for Republicans a little less clear, but it's because if Donald Trump is to fire. Uh, uh, Rosenstein, it is another sort of instance of obstruction of justice, which is not good for Trump. Of course, Trump doesn't care about that. He just wants his threat gone. This is bad for Democrats, of course, because it puts Bob Mueller at risk. So how do we feel about this? Um, This, you know, of everything we talked about, this is like the most consequential. Whatever happens here could really affect the Russia probe, which a lot of people are still hoping uh, finds some sort of connection with Trump and Russia. I love what you said about Trump wanting to get rid of his threat because the first thing I thought was like, yeah, he wants to get rid of the short-term threat and he's not thinking about the long-term threat right. because I, like, 
he has put himself in such a bad situation that like there is always a threat. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah, like, what's his plan? <laughs> fire everybody? Yeah. Like, right? literally fire every single I'm, person. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. I, I just don't know. know how stuff gets done in Washington. You know what I mean? Like, with people we, be, being constantly fired yep. and, like, I don't know. It's just it insane gets to me. Poorly. Yeah. <laughs> I can't... Re- I, like, I, I'm thinking back um, when Bush was president, second Bush, um, although I was alive for first Bush because I'm old, but <laughs> second Bush... Uh, he had a lot of turnover. Yeah. And I remember thinking it was kind of crazy, uh, but it pales in comparison to the turnover Donald Trump has had. Donald Trump has had more turnover in his two, almost two years as president than Bush had his entire term. All eight years. That's insane. Wow. That's insane. Emma, did you know who Rod Rosenstein was before we started recording? I did not. <laughs> but I was just thinking, it's... It really does sound like it's like Trump charmed himself into this like into like this highest level uh, chess tournament, but he has no idea how to play chess. <laughs> right, <laughs> he's just Definitely. backing himself into this corner, and now he can't. He's kind of blocked, right? Like there's yeah. If you know, if he fires him, something bad's gonna happen to him. If he doesn't fire him, then something bad's gonna happen to him. So it's like yeah. It's like when you lie on your resume to get the job, but Trump yeah. didn't even lie on the resume. He, like, straight up didn't hand in a resume, and everyone was mm. like, this seems legit. I know. Yeah. I know. And, of course, this whole story is also coming off the heels of the really crazy story the New York Times published, I guess, like, almost a month ago now, where it was, like, some anonymous... Uh, a high level Trump it's already been a month almost a month high Holy level shit. Trump administration uh, 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 official who was like yeah all of us he tells us to do something and we do the total opposite <laughs> like we try everything to like stop him from his worst tendencies and I totally believe it like 100% that's happening because if he was unchecked our country would be in a much worse shape than it is right now and it's already in pretty rough shape yeah Pretty crazy story. Um, yeah, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, it's sort of, uh, it, you know, it's sort of, the story is self-contained because we don't, we, we won't know until Thursday. Um, my hope, uh, I was talking to a coworker about this, but my hope is that he gets fired. That would be ideal. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. is it, like, like, that doesn't make any sense. It's, it, it's, there's actually, there's, um, I'm forgetting the, t- the title, it's like, uh, um, code of resignation and it's like certain articles that go into that code and it's it just spells out what happens if um he's to be fired and you have to remember there the reason that this stuff sort of exists for these high level people it's because they are so high level um that they are handled by the executive branch you know it's like you know the president's your boss that's you know that that's not a normal structure that you would find in um, in, in any yeah in, in any normal workplace so that's why there's so many different rules because you want to check the president you don't want a tyrannical maniacal president uh, oh, great. Oh, joy. and it seems you know the, one of the good things after all the uh, all these stories coming out it seems like you know although it's not the best job they're they're controlling him a little bit like they're keeping him from you know starting nuclear wars which is good so <laughs> I mean, low bar. Yeah, low bar, low bar, definitely. Um, Okay, let's move on. We've talked about a lot of crazy and sad things. Um, Let's move on to uh, my favorite segment. Tell me something good. Yes. Yes. Okay, so, Alifia, tell me something good. All right, you guys. Millennials. We ruined homeownership. (laughs) We ruined mayonnaise. And now we're ruining a new thing. Divorce. Oh, okay. So it turns... Oh, is this a good thing? What's going on? Turns out <laughs> that the divorce rate has fallen 18% oh. from 2008 oh. to 2016. Damn, okay. New data from the University of Mal- Maryland. Not malaria. <laughs> malaria. Malaria. From Maryland. Yes. Um... Boomers, on the other hand, divorcing at a much higher rate. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Awesome. The divorce rate tripled for people over the age of 65. 
from 1990 to 2015. I'm wondering if the divorce rate uh, for millennials is like not as much just because we're not getting married. It is. Mm. Like I think think part of it is we aren't getting married. Part of it is that we're getting married later. But even amongst couples who get married younger, Mm -hmm. divorce rate is lower. You know what's interesting? I was actually talking to somebody about uh, a divorce today, not because I'm married or I've ever been divorced or whatever, but um, we were talking about how expensive it is to divorce. And I wonder if that plays into oh, it a little bit because... Because we're all broke? Because millennials are broke. <laughs> yes, exactly. Very broke. Exactly. So it's like, you know, we can't afford to get a divorce, so let's work this out. Let's figure this let's out make and make it work. this work. Let's make this work. Yeah. Um, I, I bet you it has just a little bit to do with it. But yes, but yeah, I, I think... I thought if I just... How much does it cost to get divorced? Apparently it's like... A lot. It's like fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, you, that makes sense. Yeah, it can be so up. Fifty k. Fifteen. Oh, I was like fifty k. Yeah, like, oh my god. I mean, <laughs> I mean fifteen. Fifty thousand well, is still a lot of money. I would be like fifty k. I'm in this for the long run. Yes, we are. <laughs> <Not for something>. <laughs> <laughs> you and yeah. me, baby. Yes. You and me till the end. Yes. <laughs> I hate your guts, but we're in this together. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's expe- I, I I think there's like you, you can get a cheaper divorce, but most most of the time, most people like yeah. whenever it's a divorce, think about people it, you gotta pay for the lawyer. You gotta exactly. pay to split up your assets. Mm-hmm. So you gotta hire a CPA. Right. Right. You gotta alimony, man. Right. Exactly. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, well, that's awesome. Good news. People are yeah. staying married. Woo! People are staying. Millennials love. are just killing love. love. We right. understand love. Yes. That's what yes. it is. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's that's some great news. Okay. So, May, tell me something good. Okay. Mine, mine is personal. Ooh, okay. Okay. So, I'm ready for um, this. You guys know how I'm a film teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, two really good things happened today. Ooh. A, we finished our first film together. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. And B, we came up with an idea for our final film, Ooh. which I'm really excited about. It's going to involve a love triangle Ooh. and I'm in. Uh, <laughs> an alien who steals kids' brains. Ooh. An alien sci-fi love triangle. I'm yes, into it. right? Give it to me now. There's going to be ready. There's going to be a shot where they walk into a room with like all of the kids' brains in Ooh, jars. Oh, I'm like getting that. spoilers, but that's okay. I like you know. that. Yeah. I mean, that's we awesome. Don't know, we don't know how the jars got there. That's true. That's, that's true. Awesome. More- how, how, did, how did you all come up with the idea? Um, so, I mean, basically, for the past two classes, we just, we just talk about what we like. And they really are into Stranger Things. Stranger Things mm-hmm. is big with the kiddos. It sure is. It sure um, is. And one of the students can just be, she's just not, I don't want to say naturally, but she can do this really good act where she's extremely creepy, and I was like, we should use this. <laughs> and Natural um, talent. We, I kind of have them like split up and discuss characters on their own, and then we come together and just kind of talk about what we like, what we don't like, and how yeah. to kind of merge everything. And yeah. I just have a really, really good class. Like, Aww. yeah, like That's I feel awesome. very lucky this semester. That's like, awesome. Every kid is like on board. And Yay! So look out for that wonderful uh, love triangle alien brain stealing film. I am hyped up. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so great. And also thank you for being a teacher. I I work I work with uh, educators, so I love teachers. I love teaching. Well, I love teaching film. (laughs) I don't know if I would be good at teaching other things. Film is fun. True. 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 Awesome. Okay. Okay, I'm going to share two really quickly. So the first is that um, recently some MIT students de- started developing a lithium battery that can use carbon dioxide in the air and convert it into like a solid form, which I think is really dope. Whoa. Because uh, global warming. Uh, <laughs> tight, tight. Wait, yeah. so, so wait, so what's Let's this? Let's plug up that yeah. episode hole. Yeah. 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 yeah, so what's this solid? Like, what's going on I, with this solid? Honestly, I think it's just like, um, I think they're trying to work on how to make carbon dioxide, which is naturally a very non reactive compound, to like react with um, like uh-huh. some like electrolyte that they're developing to put in the battery. Um, so. I'm really excited for that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then cool. also, this is just something I saw on Instagram, 
but I thought it was so funny. Um, th- there's this, I don't even know which city it's in or anything, but there's this telephone pole that apparently there's this little kid who uh, parks his bike there every day, and he's been doing it for so long that they posted a photo of, like, it's, they, they taped a photo of the bike leaning against the pole to the pole, so now it's, like, the pole is just reserved for that kid's bike. Aww. And I think that's the best thing ever. So. That is adorable. <laughs> That's awesome. I like it when a community like looks out like that. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just like, I don't know. That's awesome. Like it's a kid with their bike. Yeah. They gave him a parking space. That's fantastic. <laughs> beautiful. Love it. I beautiful. Love it. Beautiful. Um, alrighty. Um, Edgar. Yes. Tell me something good. Okay. This is this might be the the single greatest tell me something good I've ever done. <laughs> the entire history of this show. <laughs> and it's not even like a final thing, it's just a maybe. So Congress, uh, lovely Congress, we talk about them all the time. Congress is looking into requiring more legroom in airplanes. Finally, praise the Lord. Can't agree on everything, but they can't agree on legroom. Yes, yes. The the funniest quote in the story was, lawmakers agreed it's time to take action on these ever-shrinking seats. Which is so great. Now I'm a bigger person, and Edgar's tall, yeah. And I've, uh, you know, I fly at least two, two, three times a year, and you know, multiply it by two. That's a lot of flights. Uh, at least from, I'm not like Olivia who flies every other weekend, uh, but <laughs> but Olivia's tiny, so she can be comfortable in more places. Yeah, it's still not enough legroom. <laughs> no, I will say true, that it's true. Like I am an average height person. Still not true, enough legroom. True, true. And, you know, I don't like splurging for the extra legroom. Nobody or, wants to do that. No one wants to do that. Is bullshit. It is, it is. Sometimes I have to, but, you know, it, it's annoying. So this is awesome. I love it. I am very, very excited. So they're going to look into doing this uh, hopefully next session. Um, they're just looking into what needs to happen. But then not only will they increase legroom, they're also looking into increasing bathrooms, which, of course, oh, we need more need bathrooms. It. Uh, establish new standards for allowing service animals um, and, and just overall uh, uh, ha- like heightening the amenities because the you know uh, air, two air- bathrooms on a plane is not enough when one of them is for 10 people exactly <laughs> and airlines it, it's so insane because airlines just every year they're taking and taking and it's like y'all like I'm, I'm like I can only take so much here. Like I need what, what's going on here? Y'all, this basic economy bullshit yeah. where they're like, you don't get a carry on, you don't get a check bag, you don't it's get any good snacks anymore either. Like that's my they big don't gripe. Feed you? That yeah. is my. I remember back in the day. What happened with my peanuts? My like they used. Biscoff. I want my shitty <laughs> yeah, like, my ginger ale. Yeah. <laughs> they still give you a biscoff. I have not. I have not gotten a Biscoff in like five years. What? Yeah. I have not. I get a Biscoff every time I fly, you guys. Okay. Well, what airline are you using? Delta. Okay. Okay. Well, we stay away from Delta because they beat up doctors over here. Yeah. Yeah, they just beat up doctors. Anyways, how do we feel about more legroom here? Obviously, big fans. Big fans. Pro. Pro. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. That's like. That is the, and it's so funny because it's a, it's not even a done deal. It's just a maybe, but it made but me you so know excited. But the one thing they're gonna vote yeah, on. Congress work on Biscoffs. Yes, work <laughs> Biscoffs on every airline. Please work on it right now. Awesome. I'm just gonna buy both of y'all packets of Biscoffs. That's okay. that. Works I actually, I actually have a packet of Biscoffs. Of course you do. <laughs> But it's a principle. It's the principle of the thing. Also, Biscoffs taste different on the airplane because of the cabin pressure. Well, like, no. <laughs> they it, do. It's actually a thing. Like, your taste buds are dull. They do. That's why Biscoffs are so, airplane. like, this sounds weird, but they're, like, strong tasting because on the airplane. What, no, it's true because you're yes. your taste buds get dull. Exactly. So, like, so when you eat it on land, it's not the same. That's why airplane food is so bad. Because it's normal food. And then when you eat an airplane, it's like, why is this terrible? Mm -hmm. Because your taste buds are dull. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. So I guess I should bring, like, I don't know, like warheads or something. Yeah. Usually, like, super salty. Super, like, like, super strong, like, biscoffs. Like, you want strong flavors. Yes. Okay, that has been our extra long news segment for the week. Um, But we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It's that time. Yes. 
Let's talk about In Between Girl. I'm very excited for this movie because all of my friends have been talking about it and all of them are involved and it sounds like a good time. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, May, give us a quick elevator pitch um, of In Between Girl. What's it about? I would say it's about a young woman figuring out who she is. A young woman named Angie who is sitting right across from me. <laughs> What's yeah. up, dudes? <laughs> so yeah, it's basically um, a young woman figuring out what's most important to her in her life and figuring out who she wants to become. And there are love interests or a love interest uh, in the story. And there's drama and there's friendships formed and friendships broken. And yeah, it's it's a coming of age story, but I think what's unique about it is it's a coming of age story where the girl um, falls in love with herself instead of a guy. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the more excite one of the most exciting parts about this movie is that it's not you know. It is very much a female-led movie. You, the writer, Mae McKino, are <laughs> female-identifying. Yes. Our lead actress, Emma, who plays Angie, also female-identifying. But you've got a female director of photography, which is very uncommon. You have female producers. You have women of co- you have women and women of color, like basically scattered all throughout. You know the heads of your department. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk about a little bit about why you decided to make like consciously make that choice because it is a conscious choice. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I just put pick the best people for the job, and the best people for the yeah. job happen to be women. Hey. And um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I like I feel like that's a very disappointing answer that like I didn't go out and like no, I know I feel like I, it's the best answer. I just like I have you seen Ivy Choose Real. Like, have y'all seen it? Like, it is so good. And, like, you know, Anna Trevino, who is the production designer, amazing. Love working with her. Victoria Prescott doing costumes, amazing. Larissa Stevens. Hey, Larissa, if you're listening. She, uh, look up her Instagram at Larissa, L-U-R-I-S-S-A, I believe. She does murals all over town that are just, there's no one better. Like, you know, and I, like, yeah, I guess that's my answer is, like, I didn't set out to do this, like, all-female thing. That's just, like, what happened. Because women are awesome, and women are hardworking, and <laughs> women are creative as fuck. Yeah. And, yeah, so, like, that's my honest answer, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's the best answer. Yeah. <laughs> that's... Uh, Emma, I have a question mm-hmm. for you. What attracted you to this role in particular? Because it was an audition process that much. I, I, I stalked Emma. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, literally, I don't know if you heard the story, but I like, like, okay, so. What's Mar- the story? I want to know. So Mar- you, tell, us about, tell us about the casting. Yeah, I right? saw your, so Marcelo um, auditioned Emma for a movie he was making with his teens, and he like sent me her um, audition, and I was like, oh my gosh, this Emma girl, like, I love her, and I was like freaking out over your, <laughs> like, you just like had the right, like, just like, the sass and the character, like I could already tell that Angie has, and like also your eyes, like are just incredible. And I remember sending uh, audition footage to all my producers, being like, "Her eyes, you guys!" Like <laughs> I was like freaking out. And then I don't know if you remember this, but you were shooting today. I feel, and the only reason I went to go that day was to watch you. Really? Yeah, and so like I think we met. so for, sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we met for like a second, and I, like Marcella introduced him. I was like, Marcella, don't do that. Like that's embarrassing. Like just let me stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's less embarrassing. But yeah, it's just like like I yeah I really liked what I saw, and then Emma just came in and just blew us all away. Really, awesome. yeah. But anyways, that I was like okay. Your, your answer to the question, which was, what was the question? <laughs> what drew you to the role? Basically, I forced it. Oh I mean, when I went into the audition, um, it was actually really funny. So uh, my 
the my theater teacher at my school posted I think you sent her um, the, the casting call and so she posted it on like our, our department Facebook group and I saw it and I was in the middle of drafting an email to send to May to ask if I could audition when I got an email from her saying that she didn't see my audition and I was like oh okay great <laughs> so I was like this is great um, but then yeah and then I went to the audition and um, we did some cold reads and I don't know just like I was reading the character and something about like Angie just seems so real, you know, in a way that like I felt like I would be able to um, do a good job of uh, showing that because, you know, re- I feel like honestly, I feel like real teenage girls are so much more interesting to play than, you know, fake teenage <laughs> girls. <laughs> you know, just like there's like it strip away the tropes and you strip away like the the you know the little um hacks that some people might put into characters to make them like i don't know have that little like that thing that draws that like automatically draws the audience to them and just instead make them real and like alive and it becomes the story becomes so much more interesting so i was like this is awesome so yeah and then i you know i auditioned and then it's amazing the rest is i remember you left and like I think it was Matt being like, he was like, well, good luck to other people beating that. Like, <laughs> yeah, like she, you gave a hell of an audition. So, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm not yeah. crying yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so you guys currently have a Seed and Spark campaign running, which for those of you who don't know what Seed and Spark is, do you want to give a quick, quick recap as to what... What are y'all trying to do on Seed and Spark? Because yeah. you guys launched social, you're doing this big campaign, like in between girls everywhere on my feed, which is great for me personally. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, you know, like your social media presence and just like doing PR and all of that with Seed and Spark, just like yeah. the stuff you've been yeah. trying, the stuff you've been up to. Yeah, I feel like filmmaking is very interesting because there's like this like creative artsy fartsy side and then there's the like business like we need money to make the thing and so we're currently in that process right now which is it's like very exciting and I'm learning a lot on the way for sure Um, but basically Seed and Spark is a lot like a Kickstarter Um, but the reason we decided to go we we decided to go with Seed and Spark is because they're doing this competition called Hometown Heroes and basically the way you win the competition is you make your goal on Seed and Spark which for us is 20k um, and then you also have to get a thousand followers. And so if you, if you do that, then you're eligible to pitch to the Duplass brothers. And if the Duplass brothers like your pitch, then they're going to give you 50 K, which would be huge for us. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, if this project sounds interesting to anyone listening, I would highly recommend you go to our Seed and Spark page, which is In Between Girl, um, and just watch watch the video, check it out. If it's of any interest to you, just follow. Following is free, so yeah, follow, follow. <laughs> go follow. All Minority Report listeners, go, go follow. follow. Yes. <laughs> so you mentioned making this movie in your hometown. Mm-hmm. Where is your hometown, and why are you shooting there? Like, why did you decide to set the story there? Yeah, so um, I feel like, I think filmmaking is such an interesting process because I feel like as you go, like, you pick up different pieces, you know what I mean? Um, so I wrote the script, and the first draft of the script was actually set in Austin, but it really didn't make sense because Austin is very, like, I don't know it's it's a diverse city and it's liberal and it's I don't know like just talking to Emma Emma is just so way ahead of how I was at 16 (laughs) Um, and I was thinking like you know my experience growing up was I was the only person of color in my Mm -hmm. elementary school and my middle school and like I needed I needed that type of environment Um, and so I was like maybe I should just shoot it in Galveston and like the more I thought about it the more I liked the idea and my producers and I, we did, like, a scout before we, like, officially made the decision just to, like, look at everything. And it just, like, I think being able to step away from a place for a long time and going back, you do realize how beautiful it is. You know what I mean? Like, Galveston is a gorgeous place. Like, every, like, basically when we were filming the Proof of Concept scene, everybody was like, why aren't more mo- movies filmed here, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, like... Having, like, I'm at the right time to, like, make this movie in my hometown, I feel like, because I've had 
like the distance from it and I can like objectively kind of yeah. look mm-hmm. back at things yeah. and like look at the town and like really appreciate it because when you're in it you don't appreciate it right. um, but yeah yeah does that answer your question <laughs> yeah that's I think awesome that, yeah um, okay, so I think, uh, you know, that pretty much, we've, we've been recording for a while, so I think, we're, <laughs> I think we've, we've wrapped it up, we've reached an end Wrap here. I want to say thank you, uh, uh, May and Emma, for coming on. Is there uh, anything else you guys want to mention about In Between Girl before we sign off? Seed and Spark, look it up. <laughs> yes, Following please, is free. Please, do. and donate if you can, please. Donate if you can, but if you can, just. There's a video. We have an instructional video. I love it. Ooh, yes. On how to follow. Yes, I love it. That's awesome. Well, thank both of you for coming and for talking about uh, politics and and news. I know it can be a little bit uh, overwhelming at times, uh, but we really appreciate you guys coming on and wishing you the best of luck. This project sounds so amazing. Um, And if you are a fan of the Minority Report, we urge you to go check out In Between Girl. Um, as always, you can listen to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, but especially on iTunes, leave us a review. Really, really means a lot to us, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.